Welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast, Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Racer. We are once again joined by our two co-hosts and sponsored by Beerly Sports. I am here with nice guy, Nate McBride, and assholes finish first, Aaron Kinney. Nate, we'll start with you, my friend. How are we doing tonight? What are we drinking? Oh, doing great, buddy. Doing great. Just enjoying playoff hockey. Teams trying to stay alive as best they can when being just faced with elimination. And I love it. Backs against the wall, coming out swinging. It's fire time. Let's go. And tonight, again, rolling with a land grant brew, getting a little lifty with their Southern Hemisphere Cold IPA. Love it, brother. Aaron, how we doing, man? What are we drinking? Dude, I am drinking something else cold. Can you tell if these mountains are blue or not, boys? It is frigid in the Man. beer. It's roasting hot outside. I could not be happier with the combination here. And we are watching some outrageous series, I've got to say. Like, I've never seen more back-to-back blowouts from different teams in my life than I have in the second round. The games haven't been close, but the series are tight. It kind of yeah. feels like we're watching the NBA a little bit, boys. <laughs> that's Nate. always my running. That's my running joke is that the NBA might play seven games, but they're all double sided by double digits. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, how this has been. And before we get this episode started, I just want to throw it out there: fuck Gary Bevan. Oh yeah, oh, yes. always. And now I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start every episode with that as well. Love that. By all means, Nate, you do your thing, brother. It's your platform. Um, guys, we just alluded to it. These series haven't really been super tight games, but the one that has been relatively competitive, we finally saw a team get a win last night. Nobody's ever needed one more, uh, it feels like, in terms of the weight off their shoulders and the weight right back on it, than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And last night, they got it done. They got a 2-1 win over Florida. They forced a game five back in Toronto. So they survived Fort Lauderdale by the skin of their teeth. Um, Aaron, we'll start with you. The series has been competitive. That being said, uh, it's still 3-1 Florida right now. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because all these other series are just back and forth with the games, but every game's a blowout. This series, all the games have been relatively tight. And I, I think you could argue, like, Toronto has outplayed Florida in a couple of these games and just gotten stoned by Bobrovsky. But they they played a complete game last night. Uh, they they complete like it in game two they outplayed Florida, but it was all from an offensive standpoint. Last night, man, they put their work boots on and they just went to work on the four check. They they took Florida's game back to them, man. They they made everything difficult. They were defensively sound and responsible. They made it really really tough for Florida to get. You know, all, all these turnover chances that they were getting before. <coughs> Excuse me, Jesus. My problem, my, problem, my problem, though, Aaron, I, I, I agree. They did play, they played a solid game. And one thing that I brought up last episode that they corrected this game was the was I saw Chris passes and it just, it looked, it looked a lot cleaner. Again, yeah. like I, I think I texted you guys and I said, ugly hockey equals a Panthers win. Yeah, you did. That ugly hockey equals a equals a Panthers win, and that game cleaned up a little bit in the second and third. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you one thing: one my big problem still with Toronto, they are dicking around in their end way too much. When it, even 
even when they've got lines changing, like, come on, we need to get things. You guys got to get things out, get things moving, because yeah. the Panthers are really good at moving quick, causing a little havoc, chaos ensues, and then next thing you know, they've got possession and they've started and they've got they've you know they've set up possession in your zone. Yeah, and Toronto, now you're in there for two, three minutes. Toronto played a lot better without the puck, and I think that was the difference in the game. But you're right, with the puck, they could still use a little more pace and a little bit more uh, direct purpose. Like, more north-south, that's never really been their game. But if you're going to beat this Panthers team, that's what you need to do. And I I just think the whole attitude of this team has changed a little bit. I mean, they're no longer letting... To. Yeah, they're, they're no longer letting, like, Sam Bennett and Matt Kachuk get under their skin. You see Matt Kachuk taking glove-on-hand swings at Mitch Marner, and Marner's just grinning at him. Like, he's like, dude, you're not goading me into a shit show here, buddy. I'm not coming down to your level. I'm going to play my game and do my thing. And it's still a long way to go. Like, it, they have zero margin for error now. But Joseph Wall is playing well, and they, they seem to have kind of figured out the way they need to approach this series. Uh, they still do have some things they can improve, but I, I think I, I'm a lot more confident in them now than I was before. You've got Mitch it. Marner. Go Mitch, ahead, Marner. Mitch Marner needed that big game last night, man. Two points, goal and assist. I remember last year at one point, Mitch Marner had more delay of game penalties than points in the series. You know, Toronto's not the place to, you know, be a flashy, good player during the regular season and then evaporate come playoffs. And Mitch Marner needed a big game last night. He stepped up when his team needed him the most. But I think the story of last night really was the goaltending. Wall was incredible for a guy filling in for, uh, you know, Samsonov. He came in there, stopped 24, 25 shots. It's a 960 save percentage, boys. It's a hell of a fill-in with your season on the line. Yeah, oh, no doubt. You, you absolutely needed that from, from him. And he showed towards the end of the regular season that he was capable of playing good hockey. And he started to get on a roll. And then you got to Samsonov, and Samsonov showed you that he was able to get you past the first round. This needs to be, but this needs to be about more than just getting past the first round, and I think they all realize that now. Yeah, boys. There go. I was just gonna say they like threw a party there, and it seemed like they were kind of hung over from that for the first few games. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we finally did it. Oh shit, it gets harder after this, and now they're they're finally realize. Okay, yeah, we gotta clean things up even more. Really, Tampa kind of outplayed them in the first round, but. Vasilevsky wasn't quite himself, and Toronto got great goaltending and opportunistic scoring. But they're, they're finally acting like they're a team that wants to go on a run now. They are. Uh, one last thought, thing. One last okay. thing, Phil. Plain and one last thing, Phil. Plain and simple here. The Toronto Maple Leafs have backed themselves into a position now where they have to play now three straight perfect hockey games to advance. Toronto has to play three perfect games now to finish the series off, you know, in order to not only advance, but, I mean, to even have a, a prayer in the next round because God knows how much this is going to take out of them. I saw a very funny TikTok today, boys. I think his account is like, Coach something, let me know on Twitter, at Beerly Hockey. Let us know because I'll probably forget. Um, I want to give him credit, but I, I can't remember his name. Uh, but he's basically, it was a joke. He was dressed in a Leafs jersey. You know, Canadian dude has to be a Leafs fan. And he was talking about how he was pretending to be uh, like a reporter. And he's like, you guys know there's a second round, right? And they all act super shocked. They're like, we thought we were going to Florida for our, golf for our annual golfing trip. 
And, like, they were all just fucking around about it being, like, a golf trip. They're like, oh, we got to play more games? I thought these were exhibition games. I thought we were just getting ready for next season. So it was very funny, but also very apropos of how the Leafs played, you know, the first three games. And now they've woken up, and it'll be very interesting to see how, you know, this progresses going forward, you know, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, you know, they haven't been in this position, um, you know, this season. They haven't lost three consecutive games since October before this series as well. So backs against the wall, you know, what kind of metal do you have? What are you made of? So it'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, We do have a game five in Toronto. I'd be kind of surprised if they lost that game, but Toronto's the one place where the pressure can really get to you outside of, I would say maybe Montreal too, but those are the two that maybe playing at home gives the away team a little bit of an advantage because they know the home crowd will get on them if they make a mistake early. So we'll see how this uh, ends up panning out for Toronto, but we do have a game five there. Boys, let's hop over to another series um, that has been blowouts after blowouts, and it's going on right now. We finally have a good game, finally, game five. Uh, Carolina's been destroying the New Jersey Devils, and the Devils took it personally, and in game three decided to destroy them back. Uh, I think the funniest part about the series to me to start off, truthfully, the overs are hitting. We're so used to taking the goddamn unders for Carolina, and now it's overs every game, but it's because one team's putting up five-plus goals. So, Aaron, it's been an interesting series, a lot of blowouts, but here we are tonight, game five, New Jersey fighting for their life, and we finally have a competitive game going to third period. Uh, but so far, it's just been an absolute gong show back and forth of just absolute haymakers. The The Carolina Hurricanes are playing the game that the New York Rangers played in the first two games of the first round. But they're doing it mm-hmm. consistently. They're doing it up and down the lineup. They are making adjustments to counter what the Devils are doing. Because that's that was a big knock on the Rangers. Like, Gerard Gallant would not change anything he did once the Devils adjusted in even that series. And they ended up winning one more game, but they, they just got blown out in the rest of them. And Carolina, they have a better head coach. They have a little bit more commitment, it feels, throughout their lineup. And they have a more experienced decor. I, I think this has been a little bit understated. Like, the New York Rangers have a solid decor, and they're going to be good for a long time, but they're young. They, they're they still kind of cutting their teeth a little bit, and their coach has not adjusted at all, and that's why they're not in the playoffs anymore. The Carolina Hurricanes... The defense is their bread and butter, especially now considering they're missing Svechnikov, Pacioretty, now Tara Vinen. This is a win-by-committee team, and it starts at the blue line. You get Brent Burns, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci. Those three right there are just absolute anchors, and then you have the supporting cast behind them. And the that paired with the, the multi-layered forecheck that Rod Brendamore has instituted— the Devils' rush is just not there the way it was in the regular season. Not at all. Or in those games against the Rangers that they just completely waxed them. Akira Schmid looks a little bit human now, and they even threw that bum Vitek Vanacek back in for a couple games. He got fucking roasted. Big surprise there. It's The Hurricanes have been there before. They know how to play playoff hockey, and they are taking the Devils to school in this series. The Devils had one huge win where they got rolling. They got feeling it. They had the confidence. They, they blew them out in that one. But other than that, man, Carolina's really been on it. And this is, like you said, Phil, this is the first even really game that we've seen in the series. It's been blowout mm-hmm. after blowout other than that. So it, it'll be interesting to see if one of these teams can kind of get on a roll here in this third period and take the bull by the horns in it. But it 
I, I don't know, man. It, I don't really know what to make of it. I, I think Carolina's going to win this series just based on the way that they've shown up every minute of every game. But it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Devils have any kind of pushback. Yeah. Nate, do you see the Devils? Uh, they might win tonight. It's a tight game in Raleigh tonight. But, I mean, the Devils need to win three straight. But, you know, do, do you think they can do it? And if you do, do you have a percentage uh, you know, chance of them actually being able to pull off two out of three wins in Raleigh. Boy, I, that's a tough one, man. I, you know, I think, I mean, based on tonight, they seem to have, you know, the energy to be able to get this done. I think they could a hundred percent go back and take a game, take game six and in, in New Jersey, it's game seven in, in Carolina where I, I just don't know if they'll have enough. If there's enough gas left in the tank there. Um, and, and you know, just thinking to what you were saying about, you know, how this Carolina team really is not even at full health. Could you guys even just imagine if they had, if they still had Taravine in it, or if they had um, Pacioretty or Svechnikov in this playoffs? I mean, good God. Yeah. This team would be, this team would look so much different. Yeah. So much. Even if they had, even if they had, one of those guys back. Yeah, it's crazy in this series too because we're talking about all the guys they're missing, and we did bring it up. You know, going into this series, will they kind of band together? Will they feel like everything is against them and band together? Which I think works really well in sports where there's a lot of danger involved. It works in football, and it works in hockey. And that Two seems sports- and that seems like a Rod Brindamore team like identity, doesn't it? Yeah. If if I'm not mistaken, I think we all talked about how the Canes were in trouble in this series, too, no matter. When we recorded during Game 7 of the Devils-Rangers, or right before it, I mean, we were like, man, whoever comes out of this is going to be a tough task for the Canes with all the guys they've lost. The Islanders weren't that potent of an offense. Carolina has shown up, man. So why was... Dude, if Sorry, just to think about it real quick. So how is it then that, you know, this this Canes team, again, we see them against the Islanders. They're barely able to put up four goals. And then we watch them against the Devils. They're putting up five easily. Is it just that the is it the Canes matching the play of their opponent? Is it's, that what it is? It's or? the Islanders' defense versus the Devils. The Islanders have an yeah. all-world goaltender. They are—defense is their identity. They shut down the zone, and they're responsible. The Devils are run and gun. All they want to do is rush up ice and score. They don't give a shit yeah. about back checking or like making things difficult. They're they're learning how to play playoff hockey. Like they've they won a series, they've won some games doing it, making adjustments that way. But at their core, they're just a a fire wagon hockey team, man. They love attacking off the rush and they're willing to sell out and take risks to do it. And the Hurricanes are the perfect opponent with their buy-in up and down the lineup to just pay attention to the details, not take those unnecessary risks that result in the turnovers the Devils feast on, and to not give anything up and strike when the Devils make mistakes of their own. It's it's just a stylistic matchup that benefits them. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, Aaron. Um, you know, game game four, you watch Jordan Martinuk step up three points. But in this series... Kokaniemi and Martin Nietzsche have been huge. And Nietzsche led his team in points this year. It's not really surprising that he's stepping up when the team needs him most. But Burnsy has a goal tonight. Burnsy had a goal last game. You know, Brent Burns stepping up. He set the franchise record this year for goals in a season with 18. 
He's stepping up in playoffs now, putting pucks in the back of the net, you know, from the blue line. This team looks like they want to rest. They look like a team that wants a break before they go to the next round. If they can wrap it up in game five tonight, they're going to get a slight break. They'll be able to catch their breath. Freddie Anderson, if he, I mean, if Toronto comes back and does the unthinkable for the fifth time in NHL history, it'd be number five, down three nothing. Last time it happened was the 2014 Los Angeles Kings. We all know what that team ended up doing. Um, you know, they'd be the fifth team to ever do it. And Toronto's already done it once. 1942 Stanley Cup, they came back from three nothing down to win four to three. So the franchise has done it. Granted, it was in the middle of World War II, but they still did it. Um, I think if Carolina gets to play Florida, that is such a good matchup for Carolina, in my opinion, because they'll match them with the grit and they'll slow them the fuck down. I, I, think, uh... I think Toronto is a good matchup for Carolina, too. But I think Toronto can cause more problems, just they're more potent offensively, where I think Florida gets by, just based on what I watch, they get under your skin, they piss you off, you take a stupid penalty, and they take advantage. And, you know, they play they, they play a solid they play a solid full ice game, but they have guys like Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk that are playoff caliber players. They are guys that will t- do anything it takes to win. And Toronto, until this year... Sam Reinhardt, too. Throw Sam Reinhardt in that game. Sam Reinhardt stepped yeah. up, man. I called him out on the last Sam- podcast. He, he is really... He's impressed me with the way he's shown up in the last couple games. If both these series end in five, they're both going to get a little rest, which is good. But, man, I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky's playing out of his mind right now, but I, you would have to think Carolina would be the betting favorites. And it's not just because Florida snuck into the playoffs or anything like that. They've earned everything they've gotten right now, and they've made mincemeat so far, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I feel like if you get both teams – if, if it's those two teams, I really like Carolina in that matchup. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Phil. I I think that is going to be the most even series we've seen. I, I really think that these teams play similar styles with their neutral zone play, their aggressive forecheck. The, the big difference, each one has a strength, the other doesn't. So Carolina, they, they've been kind of gutted offensively. They've been scoring opportunistically by the turnovers they've created and they have an elite blue line florida has brandon montour and aaron ekblad some nights and everyone else is just like kind of plug and play you know that brandon montour well, except, only... except except gudas taking lives out there well gudas like is everyone on the blue line is like a specialist at one thing and isn't well-rounded so like gudas will hit the shit out of you Ekblad used to be really well-rounded and good. I don't know what's happened to him. He's kind of strolled through the playoffs. I wonder if he's battling an injury or something. Brandon Montour is the only defenseman to play over 20 minutes last night. That's insane. Yeah. I, I can't believe that. But, I, I mean, Florida has a weaker blue line, but then they've got way more potent offense. So, yeah. But they both are very, very responsible with a heavy forecheck and with paying attention to the details going through the neutral zone. And they both are solid in net. I, I'm not going to say either of them are elite. Bob has been great through these playoffs, but we've all seen him turn into a pumpkin before, so it's hard to really bank on that. And then Freddie Anderson mm-hmm. is playing his first playoff games in a couple years. So it's. I think that's just going to be a very, very evenly matched series. Toronto, on the other hand, I mean, if they put the grit together and battle back, like, yeah... 
uh, maybe they get some mojo going and they, they come in here and roll through. But I just think the style that they play, like Nate and I talked about, they dilly-dally with the puck in their own end. That is just a fucking carrot on a stick for Carolina's forecheck. They're going to be on top of those D going back and forth, trying to look for the perfect breakout pass. They, they like yep. to go east-west. They like to get fancy. Carolina is going to feast on them if they get to the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, it's playoff I, hockey versus regular season hockey. That's the bottom line. It is. 100%. 100%. Guys, the Eastern Conference is fun, but unfortunately both series are 3-1. Let's go out west where things are a little more even, shall we? Let's hop on Route 66, maybe grab a hamburger on the way. Let's go over and talk about the Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars, man. Series is tied at two. We're going into game five. Yeah, Nate's got a Seattle Kraken sweater hanging up behind him. I love it. Nate, we'll start off with you, buddy. What have you thought so far, you know, from the Kraken? And, you know, what what are your overall thoughts on the series? Because Dallas, uh, Dallas shit pumped him the other night to tie it up at two. Yeah, well, and, and you had to see that coming. Uh, again, Seattle, Seattle won one of the games at home. You knew they weren't going to defend both because, again, they're a better road team than they are a home team. It's honestly... Honestly, them winning one at home is stealing a game. If, if we want, <laughs> if we want to be completely frank, them winning one at home is That's stealing. That's a little game. fucked up, man. It is fucked up, but is it wrong? Because what did they do in Colorado? They won. They won yeah. in Colorado. Um, but no, great series thus far. Again, but and again, you know, yeah, they got a little bit of a shit pumping six three, but. Was it not? Did they not shit pump the stars just a little bit more the night before that oh, yeah. with a, by seven to two? So yeah. it's been it's been great. Um, and again, it's just it's by committee. It is a it is a by committee system in Seattle. It rides on no one guy. Um, this team, it, Jordan Everly, has really stepped up though in this series. He's been really impressing me with his play. Um, on the Dallas side, Mason Marchment's been looking great. He's stepped up this series. Yanni Gord doing Yanni Gord things. I'm telling you, the the Stanley Cup experience that the Seattle Kraken have on their roster cannot be under that or cannot be underplayed. And I, I man, you just wish that they could have Andre Burakovsky right now because this team would be electric with Burakovsky. Aaron, you're rocking a Dallas Stars sweater, man. Let's hear your rebuttal. So, Dallas has been the better team through most of this series, I would say. It's tied 2-2, and there were a couple of kind of... Well, the first game went to overtime. Seattle had one blowout. But Seattle's two wins came in a total time of about 10 minutes. They took about three minutes, two minutes, actually to score all the goals they needed to get out to a huge lead and then eventually win in overtime in Game 1. Then in Game 3, it was a very evenly matched close game until about the middle of the second period until... Uh, actually, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of praise towards the Kraken. Ty Cartier. This kid has been awesome. It, rookie, just really okay. come to life in the playoffs. But... He sends a missile of a shot off Miro Haskinen's face, falls to the ground. Miro Haskinen falls to the ice. He's fucking down and out. Jordan Eberle, slick move, pots it in the neck, in the net. Haskinen leaves the ice. 
while he's in there getting worked on, getting stitched up, Seattle scores three more goals. Eight minutes in game three, Seattle won that game. Pete DeBoer decides, you know what? Let's let Hayes and rest and recover. This game's lost. We're just going to you know, live to fight another day. Haskinen comes back, plays over 30 minutes in game four. Dallas is at full strength. Shit pumps the life out of Seattle. And this is, it, it's weird because this series has followed the same pattern that Dallas had against Minnesota. Both Western Conference series have really for Edmonton and Dallas. You know, lose a tight overtime game, shit pump them the next game, get shit pumped the game after that, come out with a strong performance the game after that. And then in the last round, Dallas won the next two, game over. That When Dallas is healthy and the whole team is showing up and playing to the full of their abilities, it's it, they're the better team. But Seattle is opportunistic. They've capitalized on those few little stretches of time that they could take to win games, and they've done it. And they've been impressive, man. They roll four lines. They're, they're deep. They're good. They, they play really hard every time anybody hits the ice. They're skating a million miles an hour. But the personnel on Dallas, man, I just can't count this team out. Like, they are they are so much better top to bottom. Seattle has four second lines. Dallas has three first lines almost. And Dallas has one of the best defensemen in the world. And thankfully, he wasn't out for concussion protocol after that puck to the face because he came back and put on an absolute clinic. He didn't show up on the score sheet. He only had one assist. But he was regularly angling people to the boards, erasing chances, breaking the puck out, just doing all the little things that don't get all the attention and just driving that team from the blue line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're better on paper, but what are your top guys doing? Nothing. They're doing all kinds they're, of shit, bro. They're they're missing in action, buddy. Jason Robertson put him on a fucking milk cart. Jason Robertson he needs the to be one found. guy that needs to show up now. It, Rupe Hintz, he's had some big performances. Joe Pavelski, we can't talk enough about him and everything he's I done. I mean, yes, him. Absolutely. Tyler Sagan's got Tyler a little Sagan. quiet this series. Tyler Sagan uh, has not been quite as good this series as he has in the first series. But, you know, Pavelski came back. That takes a little bit of his minutes away. He's not on the top power play anymore. But he's still chipping in a little bit here and there. Max Domi stepping up on the third line, man. He had three points last night. Jamie Ben, you still had you, you still have old Pylon Ryan Suter though. Yeah, he honestly though he wasn't that glaring in the last couple games. I was very surprised. I thought he was gonna fuck up way way more than he did. But he's he's kind of pulled it together. I think his minutes are starting to get limited a little bit more, which is a very good sign for Dallas. Thomas Harley, by the way, is just electric, mm-hmm. man. This kid. He could be the second Haskinen on this team here in a couple years. They could have two elite top defensemen. Nate, do you have a rebuttal? Just whatever. They're going to do it on the ice. It's fine. They, they are going to do you it know. on the ice. And I might be proven wrong. Uh, this Because you know why? Because Dallas has homes. Dallas has the home ice advantage, and that does not that bodes in Seattle's favor, not Dallas's. I, I think you're playing up this Road Warriors thing just a little bit. I... Yeah, they are better on the road than they are at home, but I don't think that's everything. I don't think home and road is everything in a series. It's the players they on just, the ice they that determine come, it. They, they also come with energy, bro. They've got a lot they of energy. I'm energy. seeing a, I, and I see I see a lot more Dallas guys leaving the ice than I do Seattle guys. Mason Marchment went out last yeah, night. It seems like that's, 
and that sucks too because he was ice cold uh, not, for a long time and he yeah. just started getting going and now he's injured it's, and i don't i don't wish injuries upon these guys but it's just it's a fact of the matter that you know the more that you have guys going down it it just results in other guys having to go in that are not as experienced in the playoffs that aren't as skilled. I will say that's that's a good thing about Dallas. So they've got the depth. They've got star power up and down that lineup, man. They've got and, the, uh, they've got the duo of five years ago, the dynamic duo of Sagan and Ben, who are having resurgent seasons and clicking like fucking monsters again. Seattle's got, Seattle's got a depth too because you know Seattle, what's that Seattle third line the, looking like right. That third line, Seattle's third line right now is Yanni Gord, Ali Bjorkstrand, and Morgan Geeky, which could, on a lot of teams, be a second line. Exactly. A very strong scoring, that, and, a very strong scoring second line. Seattle has a lot. Seattle has four second lines. Dallas has three first lines, dude. Dallas has so much star and that's power good. up and down the lineup, though. But that that's the thing. They've got to be consistent. They've got to show up. If they're not... Like, we've seen when they fall asleep for short periods of time, Seattle burns them. So as long as they, like, come to fucking play for 60 minutes, I like Dallas. But if they falter, then I do get a little bit concerned. Because mm-hmm. Seattle plays for 60 minutes. And, and Grubauer's, Grubauer's, playing, Grubauer's been playing out of his mind. Ottinger oh, yeah. as well. Both of, them, both of them have been playing out of their fucking minds yeah. this series. Dude, Grubauer, and that 4-2 game two, man, that could have been 10-2. Grubauer had so many great saves in that game. He, is, I'm really happy to, for him that he has found his game again in these playoffs. He looks like the Grubauer that won the starting job from Braden Holtby in 2018 that was pretty good behind Colorado a couple years ago. He He's really, really come into his own here in this postseason. Love it. It's facts. It's facts. I'm, I'm excited to see game five tonight. When, you know, when the listeners are hearing this, we'll have a – a 3-2 lead in the series, but right now it's two all as we record. Um, let's hop over to the series that's probably causing the most controversy of any of them. Uh, Edmonton and Vegas, boys. We once again have a series tied at two that's been shit-pumping after shit-pumping. And, you know, Vegas has done it to them. Edmonton, Edmonton has done it back. But I think the main story from last night wasn't Edmonton's win. Uh, we have two sussies as a result. The first one being Darnell Nurse. Uh, instigating, you know, an instigating major uh, in the final five minutes of a game constitutes a one-game suspension. He's out for game five. Uh, we could talk about that, but I think the real story that everybody's talking about, Alex Petrangelo, uh, definitely a wires crossed kind of moment, got frustrated and was chasing Leon Dreisaitl, who we all know is hotter than the fucking sun right now, down the ice, and he went and slashed at his wrist, and it was not a hockey play at all. So the hockey world is kind of back and forth on this one right now. Um, he ended up getting a one-game suspension out of it, so there is no Alex Petrangelo for Game 5 as well. I think it's extremely justified. I think what Alex Petrangelo did, um, it's not headhunting. I'm not putting it in a Rafi Torres kind of level. It's not what I'm saying. I definitely think it's worth a one-game suspension. I think guys do less and get more. I think Michael Bunting getting three games for what he did um, you know, if we're going to set that kind of standard, then what Petrangelo did getting a game is absolutely correct. If he goes in there and breaks Leon Dreisaitl's wrist and they win the series, that's hollow, man. That's that's Bush League. So I thought what he did was Bush League. It endangered, you know, anybody, let alone a superstar. I think a one-game suspension is entirely warranted uh, for Alex Petrangelo. Sit there and think about the stupid shit you chose to do. 
I'm I'm gonna completely push back on this, Phil. I I agree. We don't want to see that in the game, but the abuse that Petrangelo has endured throughout this series that has been unsuspended from other players has far exceeded what he did to Drysaddle. Yes, that's that's a fucked up play. You shouldn't be going in, you know, Paul Bunyan swinging your stick at somebody's arms. But you know what happened to Alex Petrangelo two nights ago? He was on the wall at the end of the period. Vegas was leading the game. Evander Kane, there were three seconds left. There's a face-off. Vegas wins it. Petrangelo just holds the puck on the wall, kind of soft chip out. You know, everybody on the ice is killing off the clock. Evander Kane skates full speed, cross-checks Petrangelo to the throat, gets a cross-checking minor, and no play to, play to the fucking Play to the fucking whistle. Dude, it, Evander Kane. I, that's not playing to the whistle. That's not a hockey play. Petrangelo didn't have the puck. He hadn't had the puck for seconds. Kane skates full speed in. I will take a slash to the hands 10 times out of 10 over a giant full speed cross check to the throat, bro. Evander Kane was a fucking freight train on this guy when everybody is done fucking playing. They know nothing's going to happen with like three seconds left on the clock. Cross-check to the throat, no suspension. Petrangelo gets a suspension for a slash of the hands. I think that's bullshit. It either calling I, it a slash to the hands I'm is just, a little play. It, the penalty was for slashing, Phil. Like it, yeah, it was an aggressive slash. It was a Paul Bunyan swing. But we've seen that throughout these playoffs. We've seen Sam Bennett bury somebody's head into the ice multiple times, and he hasn't been suspended. I, all I'm asking for is consistency. If you're going to suspend Petrangelo for that. Everyone else who's taken cross-checking and slashing headshots throughout these playoffs should be suspended. It's Or none of them should be suspended. It's like there's no consistency whatsoever. That's all I'm saying. It, call the game consistently. Don't be going, oh, this guy, it was the end of the game, so he slashed the shit out of him because he was pissed. Damn right he's pissed. He's getting run into the boards. He, he got fucking headhunted by Dreisaitl earlier in the game or sorry, in game three, he got absolutely cross-checked to the neck by Kane. Nobody else has been suspended. Now he's getting suspended for this shit. I just think it's it's inconsistent. It's it's typical NHL shit. You never know what the hell is going to happen until it happens, and it, you don't know what's a penalty, what's a suspension, what's goaltender interference, what's anything. It's They're just like sitting there spinning a roulette wheel trying to figure out who gets suspended for what. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I I do want to say Evander Kane's hit definitely suspension worthy. That being said, though, Evander Kane blowing a kiss at the fan when she's flipping him off, goaded meme. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. I, I did Go like that flare by him. That was incredible. That was great. Just like play into it, you know. Like the NHL yeah. doesn't have a lot of that. Evander Kane will give you that. I mean, people forget Evander Kane once fought a guy three times in a game. For anybody that doesn't know. You fight a th- you can fight twice. You fight a third time, you're automatically that's an automatic major. You're you're gone. Well, you know who he's named after, minutes, right? What? You know yeah, who he's named Robert. after, right? Evander Holyfield. Yeah, Evander Holyfield. Hell yeah, he's he like grew up boxing, dude. He's he's a bad motherfucker. Evander Kane. Uh, I love everything he brings to the ice. I'm just saying that like Petrangelo's wires crossed for a reason, and it's because there was no supplementary discipline on any of the other bullshit he's had to endure throughout this series. Yeah, I don't blame him for being upset. I just don't like the way he took it out. If you're upset, I don't mind 
I don't mind a little bit of a, you know, you want to throw an open icer that, that causes a yard sale? I'm fine with that. You know, I don't have any problem with that. I have a problem with a, a deliberate action such as that. It, I'm glad he didn't go for the head, you know, or go, you know, you know, pull a knee on knee or something really dirty. But what he did is dirty. Yeah, oh, it's, it's definitely worth it's for sure suspended. dirty. That's it's, why I think. It's just got to the point where he's fighting dirty with dirty. He's like, well, if they're not getting called, I shouldn't get called. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I know what you mean. I know yeah, what you mean for sure. That, that's where yeah. it's like, okay, this is a standard we've set, and now we're going to change it. We're moving the fucking goalposts again. It just it blows yeah. my mind. And to, to touch on what you said, and something that I've heard a lot of discourse about, everyone's like, oh, you got to protect the stars. You got to protect the stars. I fucking hate that narrative. If you're going to protect the stars, protect everybody. Call every single play on every single player the same fucking way. We all play by the same rules. We all... A penalty is a penalty is a penalty. It doesn't matter if it's against star player or not. I don't give a shit how many goals you have. If you take a slash, it should be called. It it shouldn't be a different set of rules. I don't want the sure. NFL where the quarterbacks are wrapped in bubble wrap and nobody can tackle them without like daintily picking them up with two fingers and setting them down yeah. gracefully well, back on yeah. the ground. Well, and well, and and you know, Aaron. I like that you're talking about rules because if you guys are if you guys have nothing else to say. I'd like to take that as Go a transition it. point to the other one. Phil, you good? Yeah, other rules. Now, what the fuck's going on with this Darnell Nurse situation? That's some bullshit, like, isn't it? That's a bullshit rule. Fucking bullshit. Nick Trash Hague, rule. Nick Hag was asking for the fight. Mark Stone even said so. Yep. And Darnell Nurse gets his, hit his with the instigator. His gloves are off before Nurse's. Absolutely, and Darnell Nurse gets hit with the instigator, gets suspended, and Jay Woodcroft gets hit with a 10K fine. Yep. Yeah, wow. It's, I, I get why they put it into effect back in the day, but with the, ga the way the game is now, you don't have goons out there just, like, starting fights over nothing. It's No. It, it's always in response to something serious, and it's always, like, a player who's not just out there to start fights— and when you have another player dropping his gloves before the guy even arrives and throws the first punch, it's not a fucking instigator. I, I'm sorry. It's just not. It shouldn't be. No. No. And it definitely it, it should be a suspension. Unbelievable. Like, I, I just don't get it. I don't get what the fuck this league is doing. I don't understand how they're evaluate how they how they enforce their rules. It's it's the most inconsistent thing in the fucking world. It. It, it's on par with the NFL standards for what is pass interference, what is holding, yeah. what is what is any what is any fucking penalty because yeah. it it is purely subjective. It, it really is. There's there's no rhyme or reason to it. And honestly, like I'm happy with the result of that just because like Petrangelo's bullshit suspension is now offset. So like both teams yeah. are missing a good defenseman. Although Petrangelo's a hell of a lot better defenseman than Darnell Nurse. Let's be honest there. But it's, like, at least you have both guys off instead of just one and not the other. But it's, they're both just trash fucking calls, I, I've got to say. Hey, Aaron, really? that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We can debate these topics. We can agree to disagree if we want to. Yep, absolutely. That's, that's the beauty of it. Boys, that is all four series done and dusted. Do we have anything else we want to talk about tonight? I, I just think it's crazy. Like, Dallas and Edmonton both are following the exact same script of the first round i mean just back and forth in the first few games now we're gonna see if it plays out the rest of the way for a six game victory i 
I really, really like the way that Vegas is playing Edmonton at even strength up until that game four. That was the first game that Edmonton didn't have to rely on their power play to win. They got three even yeah. strength goals out of their four. Or actually, no, sorry, they scored five, I think, didn't they? Anyway, they, they actually like stuck with Vegas at even strength. They did get a few power plays. They, they got a power play goal, but they're actually like showing up at even strength now, and Vegas is going to have to respond. And I'm wondering, so Laurent Brassois injured. Aiden Hill comes in in relief in game three, has a hell of a performance, gets shelled in game four. Do we see Jonathan Quick in this series? Is it going to happen? What are we waiting on? What are we waiting what on? Are they, yeah, what does he have to do? It's, I don't know, man. Bruce Cassidy's a weird cat. I'm I'm not a big fan of him as a coach, but he does know how to win. And it's whichever guy he thinks gives him the best chance. If he thinks it's Aiden Hill bouncing back and Aiden Hill gets shelled again, we've got to see Quick in game six, right? You have to. Yeah. You, you simply have to. If it were me, I would start Quick tomorrow but i don't know that cassidy will i again i think to see what happens i if you're if you're bruce cassidy you gotta look at what just happened to your former squad and say i gotta make the goalie i gotta make the goalie swaps one game sooner like i like i said they needed it like i said the bees needed to do they needed to give what did I say? Campbell game five or ga- Campbell game six? Swayman, you said Swayman, Swayman game six. Swayman game six. Yeah, they went to Swayman. Swayman a, game, a game too late. Yeah, exactly. So, give it. You know, give your guy. You know, switch it up game six if you have to. Give yeah. it to give it to quick game six. But you've got a guy with don't wait till game some playoff games of experience, two Stanley Cups he's and a Smythe Trophy. He's yeah, he's older. Yeah, he's not the most consistent in the regular season. But Pistor, this guy get off the fucking pump. shows up when you need him to. And I think he's still got one run left in him, man. I, I want to see Jonathan Quick so goddamn bad in Game 5. Hey, that's totally fair, Aaron. Totally fair. Totally fair. Nate, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Are you good? It could be Carolina's year, but dude, I love that we we just sit here. We can sit here and still have no idea what's gonna what this season's gonna be. Who's gonna, gonna be, be who's gonna be our cup winner? Yeah, I mean, you know that's all. We have no idea who it's gonna be. So it, it's gonna be really fun if it, if it's like a Carolina Edmonton or a you know or a Florida Edmonton or Florida Dallas. Like Florida would be a fuck ton of travel. That'd be a crazy one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Car- Carolina. Carolina Dallas would be a fun one, man. The high flying Dallas against Carolina's gritty ass. That would be that'd be an entertaining one. A battle of two teams that have won a cup. That would be a fun one. So Joe Pavelski versus yeah, Brent who Burns. Who knows what'll bro. happen? Folks, Former Sharks superstars. Joe Pavelski versus Brent Burns. Give it to me. Inject it into my veins. Loving it. Yeah, guys, make sure you go uh, follow us at Barely Hockey on Twitter. Make sure you go over to Beerly Sports on Instagram. Check out our store. We do have the Batman Hates Us t-shirts live right now. Make sure you cop one of those. Send one out to a Blue Jacket or an Anaheim Ducks friend. Or just a friend that absolutely fucking hates Gary Batman. There's plenty of those too. So make sure you get those set off. Give us a five-star review on your 
platform of choice. And remember to keep drinking that beer. That'll wrap up this episode of the Beerly Hockey Podcast for Aaron Kenny and Amy Bride. I'm Phil Razor saying Beerly Hockey. Bears well with Bruce. Hello, broadcast boys.